0: Hello and welcome all to a most flevtrabulous just the most special episode of Thronderdome that has ever yet been. Friends, this is it. You have come along with us on this long march much as much like Mao and the Chinese Communist Party in the 1940s. This long march through a monument of Western letters, a testament to our society, a mirror that has been held up to late 20th century America. This is it. We did it. This is the final recap episode of the final book in Timothy Zahn's Thrawn Trilogy. I am your host, Dr. Daniel Dottie. With me is the reinstated, refrocked, all all sins forgiven Reverend Ronnie Gardaki. hello
1: <laughs> All right, you're really bringing the energy I love it. <laughs> I, I mean there
0: there'll be raised voices I'm sure there will be there oh there will be but this is a very special episode. It's a uh, the recap is short. As tends to happen with these last with the last chapters, like you know we we hit early upon three chapters at a time being a good length for our podcast, and Mr. Zahn, in his wisdom, gives us a little extra space at the end of his novels, uh because we typically uh have a remainder of two after we divide everything by three. So the recap will be a little short, uh, not only because you know we just have one fewer chapter but also. Uh these are pretty short chapters because it is it is the end of the book. It is all wrapping up. And so we have a little well I think honestly we're going to have a lot of things to say about how this trilogy ended. Uh but moreover we're going to have more to say kind of about the experience overall. We have a few a couple of kind of games that we're going to play. Um reminiscing, recollecting about a time we have spent. Uh, in the Mind Palace of Timothy Zahn, within characters and situations created by George Lucas, it, it'll it'll be
1: like a it'll be like a clip show of all new material. Think of it that way.
0: <laughs> exactly. I have a I have a nice glass of a of a fine earthy Argentinian Malbec right here uh, to help sort of uh, lubricate the pipes. And just sort of just just mark the specialists of the occasion. Uh, Ronnie, do you have everything we need? Are we? Are, I, am I good? to, I, good I, to start? I I
1: I picked out an appropriate drink uh, to to capture the prose of Timothy Zahn. I poured myself a glass of tap water, tepid,
0: <laughs> <laughs> tepid. Please. Well, with that, let us set forth to recap the conclusion. The climax of Timothy Zahn's entire Thrawn trilogy with the last two chapters of The Last Command. We begin chapter 28 on the bridge of the Chimera, where Thrawn concludes that the last of the rebel warships has dropped into Bilbringi. He orders the interdictor cruisers out of their entrapment positions and orders all warships to engage. Palan shakes his head in wonder as Thrawn's hunch was right again. Play on floats that they may not want to destroy all of them and leave one ship intact to return to Coruscant and bear witness to the destruction. Um, This this little bit right there, I was immediately put in mind of the Byzantine Emperor, Basil II, the Bulgar Slayer, who one time uh, at the end of a battle uh, had a hundred prisoners with their eyes put out. Except for one who was allowed to keep one eye, who could lead the line back to the court of the Bulgarian Khan to let him know what had happened to his uh, to his army. I'm not even uh, going. I'm
1: not even going to jokingly pretend that that was what Timothy
0: Zahn was going for. <laughs> no, no, no. I think this is a, a coincidental thing there Thrawn likes the idea and he devilishly suggests that leaving admiral akbar's ship as the sole survivor would better induce suspicion that he had betrayed the fleet and led to this trap.
1: Really thinks himself. Man
0: remember
1: remember admiral akbar's emails from like two books ago. <laughs> that, was, <laughs>
0: that, that that sure went nowhere. And he really he I think admiral akbar has appeared less in these books than borsk Failure since then. Um uh, but, uh, in any case, um, Pelion takes a moment to think racistly about how Rook, standing silent guard behind them, is probably not sophisticated enough to appreciate their cleverness in all this.
1: I don't know, um, Rook does seem like he's pretty dumb. <laughs> that's, like he, that's true. Like, like Zahn did not give him, like, introspective soliloquies.
0: No, he, he did give him, uh, where he likes to, like, throw his voice and, and joke, and, like, clown around with Paleon. Um, And and let's not forget that the
1: Nogri mew, so they sound kind of like kitty cats.
0: They do. They sound like kitty cats. Um, Well, we go now to Wedge and Rogue Squadron who are dropping a few TIE fighters, uh, but they know the situation does not look good. He and Rogue 2 float the idea of peeling off and hitting the shipyards themselves to divide Imperial forces, but he laments that they just don't have the firepower themselves. But just then... The comms crackles in and says that there's someone trying to contact Wedge via the diplomatic channel. Uh, So, Wedge says, okay, put him through. And a familiar voice is patched in. Hello, Antilles. Nice to see you again. Wedge insultingly doesn't recognize this person again. It's Aves. Wedge, come on, man. That memorable character, (laughs) Aves. Well, I I like the fact that Wedge gets to not remember who Aves is twice in as many chapters. (laughs) Doesn't this one, like,
1: Aves ha- makes, like, some coy reference to the last time they met and just Wedge doesn't get it. Yeah, he says You can he really tell about... why why he and Luke are such good friends.
0: <laughs> he finally gets Wedge to, to understand when he says something about, hey, remember that alley behind the Mumbri Torv? Or whatever, or Storv, whatever it was called. Um, he gets anyway... so much
1: strange behind the Mumbry Storv. Wedge is like, you, you got to narrow it down, buddy. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, it's Aves. That's right. The smugglers are all there to pull off their hit on Bill Bringy. They still plan on going through with their plan and grabbing that CGT and punching out. He's offering Wedge his choice of which direction they violently blast their way out of. Should one in particular make a difference for their operation. Wedge asks them to hit the Golan II battle stations that are guarding the shipyard in the rear on their way out, which would open the shipyard to capital ship attacks. With their operations coordinated with the smugglers, Rogue Squadron is going in. Meanwhile, in the Emperor's throne room within Mount Tantiss, Luke's lifeless body <laughs> drops to the floor.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, really sorry. To...
0: I'm sorry. Luke is just so fucking funny, man. I'm just, look, pronouncing a, a name spelled L-U-U-K-E. I want to I wanna I wanna put some mustard on it one last time, you know? He's the
1: most tragic character in the sight of Chris Peterson.
0: <laughs> Luke's lifeless body drops to the floor, his lightsaber clattering as it falls from his grip. The buzzing pressure on Luke's mind lifts, and he thanks Mara. Uh, no problem. Brain all clear now? Uh, yes. How about yours? Which <laughs> is a really good line. This it's is true, such a great book, brain... dude. Uh, killing this guy really helped both of their brain problems. So it's pretty good. <laughs> um, Luke scans the throne room and sees that Talon Card has tied his Vornskers, Sturm and Drong, to one of the many rails and calls out to Leia to make sure she's all right. Everyone is ready to get the hell out of there as Kabeoth stares, stunned at Luluk's body. But their respite is short as he turns to Mara and swears he will kill her slowly and painfully for this. Mara says, let's go, old man, and charges with her lightsaber. But Kabeoth causes the rock ceiling of the room to shatter into gravel and whips up a whirling storm of rocks. Luke catches a bolt of Kabeoth lightning with his lightsaber, but it knocks him to his knees, and stones begin to pile up around him, and his lightsaber is force flung across the room by Kabeoth.
1: I just want to make sure you didn't skip over the funniest part of the whole Kabeoth Mara Jade thing is when Kabeoth mm-hmm. threatens to clone Mara Jade.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, 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 that's right. Which, um, which I
1: thought, I honestly thought about for like five minutes because I was like, wait, there's no you in Mara Jade's name. How are you going to clone her?
0: (laughs) Well, she'll just be Mara Jade after she gets cloned. (laughs) Or maybe Mara. Clones (laughs) are just Canadians, dude. (laughs) Um, uh, Luke's lightsaber, uh, Cabal flings it across the room. Mara demands that he just kill them already. Uh, but Kabeau says not until he takes Mara to the cloning facility. There it was the next line in my notes. But yeah, you gave it a little more fleshing out there. Um, but down in that, it's cloning just such
1: facility, a silly threat. It's like, watch yeah. out! I'm, I'm going to clone you. It's like,
0: well, it's also it's also like I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel it, right? Yeah, it's you, my clone. that's
1: like the clones problem. Not mine. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's not my problem, and it it's literally not my problem. My continuity of consciousness is not affected at all. I like the um, idea that
1: you wouldn't be that you wouldn't be that offended if someone cloned you to be like a slave.
0: I mean, it's literally not my problem. <laughs> so you're just going <laughs> by the
1: neighborhood, and like you just see some neighbor who has like a version of you in their backyard, just like
0: mowing the lawn. I mean, I would probably. Demands some kind of like royalties or residuals. Oh, for so them using my likeness. That's, so all you care about <laughs> is the financial aspect of it. Look, I'm thinking now. I'm thinking I, I have a franchise system set up. I can franchise myself out with clones. That's what that's what and,
1: Multiplicity Two should have been. Michael Keaton, and again like, and again, like selling himself.
0: Right, and none of this is my problem because I'm not the one having to do the the lawn mowing and all that. It's perfect.
1: For a book, for a book that talks so much about clones, they never really get into the ethics of cloning at all, or really. I think if you replace the word clone with like I don't know super soldier, there would be no difference whatsoever.
0: Yeah, um, that'll be one. Let's save that for the for the the wider conversation about the whole trilogy. Yeah, sorry,
1: it's just something that struck me right now. No,
0: because I because I know I know. I know exactly what you mean, and I think... Well, I don't know. There's there's things we can talk about. Um, but down in that cloning facility, Lando and Chewbacca are wrapping up their setting of the blast charges to sabotage the whole place. A faint whine is rising from the sabotaged electrical system that, you know, Chewie plugged the 2 male ends into the thing. And Chewie warns that they don't have much time. They have a stupid gun battle with stormtroopers that is solved by blasting a walkway so that it falls on them, of course allowing them to beat it just as a series of fireballs erupt around the central pillar you know if you remember the you know the the, the clone setup was kind of like a stadium but there in the middle was a giant uh you know pillar with all the nutrients fluids and whatnot in it you know then going out to the clone vats um a series of fireballs erupt around the central pipe pillar and clouds of smoke and vaporized nutrient liquid fill the air from well down the corridor as they're as they're beating it down the hallway they feel the vibration of that column crashing into the cloning cavern floor. Lando radios Han, who explains that the crazy Jedi has them trapped in a rock storm and the turbo lift is blocked by rubble. But Card tells them to grab the wild card from where it was landed at the ventilation grate that they broke in through. Kabeoth is looking sadly at Luke trapped in the rubble, <laughs> saying, Sorry. Perhaps it is for the best. <laughs> And Luke is simply too weak to break out of the pile of gravel that is imprisoning him.
1: Um, I'm just imagining like Luke like a, like a Homer's helper monkey Mojo at the Edwards pray for Mojo.
0: Yeah. Well, no, this is Kabath looking sadly at Luke Skywalker, not Luke. Um, that, uh, Luke, Luke is dead on the ground. You know, he's, he's yesterday's news. Just throwing him in the trap. <laughs> It's a clone, not my problem Um, Luke tries to offer his help to heal Kabeoth's mind once again But Kabeoth won't have it Unless the Jedi assume total control, the lesser people will slaughter them again Mara isn't down yet though She has used her lightsaber to cut holes in the floor For all those rocks that are piling up around her to slide through And thus was not encased in the rubble like Luke is She charges Kabeoth, blocking his lightning bolts with Leia's lightsaber and straining against the rocks he's throwing at her. Luke takes a moment to look around the room and sees the glint of his lightsaber. And not just that. The Vornskers were heaving against their leashes, straining in the direction of Mara and Kabeoth. Using the force, he pulls and ignites his lightsaber and and floats it so that it slashes through those leashes. The Force-sensitive Predators Sturm and Drong lunge at Kabeoth, who easily stops one of them and stuns the other, but that distraction was all Mara Jade needed. Leaping forward, she drops to her knee and runs Joris Kabeoth through uppercut style with Leia's lightsaber.
1: Honestly, I'm going to say I I was highly disappointed with this, only because (laughs) I I really wanted it to be the Vomsker's just mauling Joris could be off to death because <laughs> I was not just really. thinking of *Strangers with Candy* when Jerry Blank's dad gets killed by the rabid dogs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: because I mean that would, all... that would be that would be in fitting with uh, not spoil something we're going to spoil in like three minutes. That would be in keeping with this book's. Deaths you could never in a million years predict happening. <laughs> That's true.
0: You would it, it never you would never sleep.
1: start you would never start the last command and go, Oh well Jerusal's probably just go mauled to death by some dogs.
0: <laughs> but it's it's Mara Jade who does it, and Kabayoth crumples to the floor, which releases an explosion of dark side energy in the form of blue fire, like what happened when the Emperor went down that big pit. And Luke uses all this strength to pull Mara away from that blast of evil energy. And at long last, it's all over. The blast from Kabaoth had opened a gap in the mountaintop where Louie and Chando. Uh, oh, sorry, where Louie. <laughs> where Lando and Chewie. <laughs> where Louie and Chando.
1: Han, <laughs> um, Dewey, and Louie.
0: Yes. Uh, Lando and Chewie pick up the beleaguered lunchbox guys in the wild card. Meanwhile,
1: oh, I forgot Bring- that sometimes Bring- Lando isn't on the lunchbox because of political reasons.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. And I guess Chewy's a lunchbox guy too. But you know what I mean. All the rest of them. Um, meanwhile, Bill Bringy, I I'm just gonna read. I'm gonna read this entire passage. Bear with me, listeners. Um, I'll try not to laugh is- during it. Yeah, Ronnie, try to hold your comments until the end of of, of the presentation. But here we have it. The two rebel assault frigates broke to either side of the beleaguered Golan II, delivering massive broadsides as they veered off. A section of the battle station flared and went dark, and against its darkened bulk another wave of rebel starfighters could be seen slipping past into the shipyards beyond. And Palaion was no longer smiling. Don't panic, Captain, Thrawn said. But he too was starting to sound grim. We're not defeated yet, not by a long shot. Palaion's board pinged. He looked at it. "'Sir, we have a priority message coming in from Weyland,' he told Thrawn, his stomach twisting with a sudden horrible premonition. "'It's close to tightening. "'Weyland, the cloning facility.' "'Read it, Captain,' Thrawn said, his voice deadly quiet. "'Decrypt is coming in now, sir,' Pleon said, tapping the board impatiently as the message slowly began to come up. It was exactly as he'd feared. "'The mountain is under attack, sir,' he told Thrawn. two different forces of natives, plus some rebel saboteurs,' He broke off, frowning in disbelief. And a group of Nogri? He never got to read any more of the report. Abruptly, a gray-skinned hand slashed out of nowhere, catching him across the throat. He gagged, falling limply in his chair, his whole body instantly paralyzed. "'For the treachery of the Empire against the Nogri people,' Rook's voice said quietly from beside him as he gasped for breath. "'We were betrayed. We have been revenged.' There was a whisper of movement, and he was gone. Still gasping, struggling against the inertia of his stunned muscles, Peleon fought to get a hand up to his command board. With one final effort, he made it, trying twice before he was able to hit the emergency alert. And as the wailing of the alarm cut through the noise of a Star Destroyer at battle, he finally managed to turn his head. Thrawn was sitting upright in his chair, his face strangely calm. In the middle of his chest, a dark red stain was spreading across the spotless white of his Grand Admiral's uniform. Glittering in the center of the stain was the tip of Rook's assassin's knife. Thrawn caught his eye, and to plan's astonishment, the Grand Admiral smiled. But, he whispered, it was so artistically done. The smile faded, the glow in his eyes did likewise. And Thrawn, the last Grand Admiral, was gone. So, with that, uh, the Imperial forces retreat immediately. Uh, and the Rebel fleet takes full advantage of the diversion. Uh, it's uh, Everything just sort of ends right there for the Battle at Bilbringy. Signal to all ships, he rasped. The words ached in his throat in a way that had nothing to do with the throbbing pain of Rook's treacherous attack. Prepare to retreat. And that's chapter 28. So. Wow. Oh, boy. So... All right, so so the, the last chapter is pretty pretty quick to, to wrap up. Ronnie, how about we just sort of, we put a, we we wrap, we wrap up the recap, and then we can really dig in. Yeah, I think the last um, chapter is just
1: Mara Jade getting a job.
0: It, it, it is. It literally is. So chapter 29, uh, Mara is gazing at the view from the Imperial Palace at Coruscant. Mara finds it strange to simply be looking at the city rather than being on watch for a dead drop or some other mission of skullduggery for the Emperor. Luke is working on Mara to become a liaison between the New Republic and Card's Smuggler Alliance, but she's hemming and hawing. Mara mentions offhand that Chewbacca is helping the Nogri get set up on their new planet, and Luke has a gift for Mara. His old lightsaber that he lost on Cloud City. Anakin's old lightsaber. Mara is shocked but grateful, and Luke says that she can find him downstairs in the conference room when she makes her decision. As she hears Luke open the roof door, she calls out, And here's the last, the last line in the trilogy. Hang on a minute. I'll come with you. Directed directed by Timothy Zahn. (laughs) Directed by Timothy Zahn. Written by George Lucas. No, written by Timothy Zahn. The end. So there it is. What in God's name? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously? There is a lot going on. <laughs> Some astonishing choices, and I, I just want to start. It makes the I'm end of start... an
1: Italian an Italian horror movie seem like well thought out and and uh, telegraphed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the. Uh, Okay, all right. So I, th- I think the, the way for me to kind of jump off the, the 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 big thing for me in all this is that none, neither of the big bad guys were defeated by a, a main Star Wars character. None of them. Um, in fact, none of the main characters were involved with the final confrontation with Admiral Thrawn. None of them were there. Do you know who had the, you know, the biggest head, you know, who headlined the battle of Bill Bringy, which, def, which defeated Thrawn, except not really, which I'll get into also wedge Antilles wedge Antilles was the fucking, the highest, here, here's you know, a, here's the
1: question. Do the main characters even know Thrawn is dead?
0: They don't. What the They're, fuck? Not, Neither of these... Well, I mean, I guess they do now as they get back to Coruscant. Well, I guess they... But yeah, if if the Empire keeps it secret, there's no reason why they... I don't know. I don't know. We don't know if they know he's dead. We have no clue. (laughs) What the fuck? We have no idea. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, (laughs) So we we had two parallel confrontations which are not actually connected to each other, really. They just happen to be happening at the same time. Um... And I, and I guess maybe Zahn was thinking along the lines of, like, Return of the Jedi, right? Where there's the climax that takes place on Endor, and then there's the the climax that takes place in the space battle, and there's the climax that takes place in the, in the throne room. Like, there are three different stories happening. But they're all at the same place. They're all part of the same conflict and confrontation. These are just happening at opposite ends of the galaxy, for all we know. Nothing connecting them at all. Um... Yeah, like Luke. I, at, at this point, I th- and and let's think about this. Luke Skywalker has only won one lightsaber battle in his entire life. He's like the he's like the anti like Mary Sue because he needs his girlfriend to fight for him. Literally, twice <laughs> in in the in the same sequence. Um, boy, howdy, that's. I mean that was my first, not, even like, here. not even his girlfriend yet. Not even his girlfriend yet.
1: They haven't even gotten to first base. And by first base I mean holding hands.
0: And they they do that briefly in this and that wrap in this uh the 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 epilogue chapter there where he like he, he 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 like gently touches her hand when he gives her the the uh the fucking lightsaber. R- Ronnie what what was kind of what what was your initial immediate reaction here? What? Well, you know my well, you know this. my
1: initial reaction because I sent it to you. <laughs> <and> I <laughs> I I don't like using this word. This word is wrong to use, but I'm going to say it. I I I sent to you a message that said, "This is." Ret-.
0: You did. And I'm probably going to bleep that out for the <laughs> for the actual episode, but I. I, I, I had to be usage. true to myself. I understand your usage of the term. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, man. And you know what really started bugging me as I thought more about it was the strike at Bill Bringy. Um, and I get that it's a big military operation. They've been coordinating it for day, at least days, more like weeks, to you know get it all arranged and everything. But we know from, uh, like, I think it was two episodes ago, so at least like three or four chapters ago, we know that they got all the asteroids. They don't need a crystal grab trap anymore. They don't have to do any of this.
1: I wonder if Lucas, the people at Lucas were like, there's gotta be a space battle in the last 100 pages of this book, dude.
0: Well, and and I would agree with them. There does need to be, but you can like...
1: But you have can tell steaks. that. You, but you can tell that Zod has has no interest in it.
0: He really doesn't. There aren't even any. There aren't even any big like battle sequences beyond like, uh, and not you know, and, and and not that that's like. It's like he sent all the stupid
1: named people to a farm upstate where they'd be ha- they'll be happier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's the it's the it's the it's a space battle between the the New Republic fleet and the greatest threat they have faced since the Emperor himself was killed. They've been on the back foot for months. They're getting slaughtered out there. This is the big confrontation. And there's, it's nothing. Tim, Timothy's on spends no time at all. Even like building up any kind of like suspense. Like, is it a race against time, you know, to like get like certain ships move somewhere so that they can survive and they can pull off their, their trick or whatever. Um, it's absolutely insane. It's just a bunch of ships show up. They're in a bad way, and then the smugglers are there. It doesn't even describe the smugglers blasting the the battle stations. It just says that they were taken out. It's 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 maddening. Like dude, the dude had the time to spend on snake like creatures <coughs> and, 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 and 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 hacking like eight, our way through like vines. eight
1: chapters on the Nogri planet. Just, like, the du- the fucking gray-faced monsters just constantly
0: apologizing to Princess Leia. Yeah, and I, I'm not even talking about that. Like, the, the, trilo- the trilogy needs a vast reorganization. I mean, in this very fucking book, he has, like, two pages spent, at least two or three pages, spent on Wedge... Trying to trick Aves into sending disinformation to the Imperial Intelligence for their big hit that's about to go on. None of that means anything, by the way. Like, none of that fucking matters. Because they haven't fooled the Empire anyway. So it doesn't fucking... I I don't know why we're getting this, like, insight into all their strategic espionage and counter-espionage when it doesn't fucking matter. I was al- um, I was
1: almost gonna make a Larry Craig joke, but then I realized absolutely no one but you remembers
0: who Larry Craig is. <laughs> I think probably me and uh you know uh, someone like uh, like Felix Biederman who has I, the encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of perverted uh, Congress people. My reference
1: pool is becoming as outdated as Krusty the Clowns.
0: <laughs> but uh, I. I'm speechless in, in, in so many ways. And wh- I, I think one of the one, th- one thing I, I did want to really harp on is that, you know, so Thrawn is not confronted or dispatched by any of the main characters. He is killed. You know, it's, it's I'll grant that it's, you know, it's an irony that he's killed by his own bodyguard. I, I think maybe that's what Timothy was really going for with all this. That that's the big there, payoff.
1: There is like a version of this book where that ending actually works. But it's not this yeah. book.
0: It's not this book and it's not the way it was written. Um, but if we want to follow the kind of causal chain that led to that. That's ultimately because of actions taken by Leia and Chewie. When they were on Honager the Nogri home planet. Which is months before these events. So if these books are about the New Republic defeating Grand Admiral Thrawn, then the last time anyone in the New Republic had anything to do with it was months ago and nowhere near actual like direct responsibility for.
1: The entire All, the, the entire resurrection of the Empire came undone by by a, an instance of environmental racism. <laughs>
0: Exactly. And I would and I would point out none of the events of this book that we are re- we just finished reading, The Last Command. None of the events in this book led to Thron's death. None. Nothing that happened had any bearing on Thron's demise. This would, it was just this, a matter of this when, would be like, it was just a matter of timing. This
1: would be like if the president was assassinated because of lead piping in st
0: louis well honestly uh maybe the president should be assassinated because of lead piping in st louis
1: talk about things Uh, that's going to be
0: bleeped (laughs) no i'm not hey look whoa buddy i mean i didn't say which president of which country (laughs) i mean we're not talking about should
1: we're talking about could You know,
0: let me, let me just say perhaps Le President should be murdered <laughs> for certain failures of uh you know, domestic uh policy here in the United States. Isn't that um, basically what, mean, what happened
1: to the to the fucking Japanese dude? Like he was cause he killed uh, Shinzo Abe because his the assassin's oh, mother yeah, got like got like built, built swindled by a out of by, swindled yeah. out of money by a cult
0: yeah and it, well and it's the it's the unification Church, the Moonies as we know them in the United States the owners uh, of the Washington was the... Times,
1: if I recall correctly
0: <clears throat> yes, the owners of the Washington Times, much like the Epoch Times is owned by Falun Gong it's cool how many cult owned newspapers <laughs> we have in the United States
1: it's actually kind of <laughs> cool
0: <clears throat> like um, imagine like, like imagine
1: if like Kevin gate like didn't do all the stuff <laughs> at the end of Heaven's Gate, but just but like stuck they, around. Instead, they own Just like stuck around, and they like owned the, the newspaper in Toledo. <laughs>
0: they, they they owned the the New Orleans Picayune. That would be awesome.
1: Like <laughs> we already like we already have so many newspapers owned by heartless right wing oligarchs. Why not some cults?
0: Yeah, we'll throw some cults in there. Yeah, we might as well. Um. But turning away from from how Thrawn dies, we uh, the the way Kabeoth ended up was just really the whole rock storm thing was pretty stupid. I don't know what that was about. I, I, he's been flinging rocks around, and now I'm realizing like what Timothy Zahn was doing was because like we saw Yoda and Luke levitating rocks on Dagoba, so we know that's a Jedi power. So Kabeoth has been flinging rocks around for two novels now. The last time um, I was dis-
1: this disappointed was when Super Shredder died by destroying the deck at the end of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> like, wait I, a minute, I, that's it?
0: And- I got one of the biggest laughs of my life. Me and my uh, my chucklehead friends were watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze as sarcastic teenagers. And we were like, ah, get a load of this. You know, we're all we're all past this. We were, we were watching it for our ironic yucks. You know, we were all MST watchers. Um... And yeah, the Super Shredder gets uh, killed by that collapsing uh, wharf, and uh, and I and I chimed in with, "Oh, I guess his end was peer pressure." Awful. It's it's not getting a laugh. Come on, man. That 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 hit big on Matt Williamson's couch.
1: <laughs> going save that for a side project. Oh, the
0: <laughs> mystery bald asshole, three thousand fuck you.
1: Yeah, basically we're doing a, our version of MSC3K but it's with Daniel.
0: And I'm only making the the You're making the, the worst the worst jokes. just no charm or spark to them at all. Just just saying, "Ooh, that's got to hurt." again. Oh, and again.
1: we we also take the science fiction very seriously.
0: Yes, it's a hard science fiction host segments. <laughs> that's so that's another project to keep uh keep an eye out for. Um so, well, any any other thoughts on on the on the specifically on the end of the last command, Ronnie? Or we, we want to move to our kind of our kind of wider appraisal of these, this entire project? Um,
1: yeah, I think we should just move on to like a wider appraisal because I think we've <laughs> we've we've definitely covered our bafflement at the at the end of
0: uh, uh last command bafflement is absolutely the word for it it was this was so rushed and just perfunctory seeming i mean anyway yeah you're right right, we gotta move on we gotta move on from this to talk about everything else literally dies (laughs) like
1: four pages from the end
0: amazing truly amazing we don't know what the twins are doing (laughs) we don't get we don't check in with han and leia we don't get we don't get fucking anything. We don't know what like Akbar, you know, is he made has he made up with uh Borsk We don't know.
1: What's we don't know. What are the smugglers up to? What's what's uh what's Brazzers and, and uh and Aves up to? <laughs> or Ghent, our beloved Ghent. Gent who had much more plot utility than I would have ever expected.
0: I think we, we owe Ghent an apology because he... Came up in the those author notes um, for *Heir to the Empire* uh, that we loved so much, yeah. <laughs> where, <laughs> where uh, you know Timothy Zahn was like, Gent really became a fan favorite. I didn't really see that coming, and we were like, Gent's what the little weedy guy, like really? But hey, you know he he's been around. He actually had a, a big part to play, and actually that's it's kind of like it's I'm kind of gonna... like how
1: on the Simpsons, like you listen to the commentary tracks and they're like. Yeah, we just had Hans Moleman on as a one-off because he was like grotesquely designed character. We never thought he would become a character.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: that, that's um, Gant, the Hans Moleman of Star Wars. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> so now that we've we have read the Thrawn trilogy, we have read it start to finish, front to back. We've we've talked about it at length. There's thirty something episodes of this podcast. That's <laughs> at least like. That has to be, that has
1: to be like a record for the amount of time people have talked about this book series.
0: <laughs> we have dedicated we have dedicated probably two full days of our lives to recording ourselves talking about. this.
1: To say nothing of the actual reading and the note taking and the otherwise precisely <laughs> otherwise intrusion into our thoughts.
0: We have devoted a great deal to this, and so I think we must we must be able to come out of this with some insights, some some. Uh, yeah, we got to have some concluding thoughts and I thought a good way to kind of get the juices flowing to get us to kind of think more about the, the trilogy as a whole and kind of order our thoughts a little bit. Ronnie, I want to talk about some stuff like elements in there that we actually liked. Um, and I, I, I can, I can start with an, with an example, I guess. And I, I, I mentioned it before in the chat. I thought the scene on Kashyyyk in *Heir to the Empire*, Leia's escape from the Nogri assassins, where uh, they're uh, un- they're underneath on the underside of the tree village, and she ties her lightsaber to a vine and uh, ignites it and swings it back to uh, so that it cuts into the bottom of the little Nogri airship. I thought that was cool. That was a cool action sequence. I loved that Leia got to get a body count. Um, I thought that was that was really neat. Is there, is there something like that that, uh, that, that you have held on to as something that you thought was genuinely good?
1: Well, I don't know. Kind of stretching the definition of genuine there. But I got a, I got a kick out of Han Solo setting that shadow monster on fire.
0: <laughs> that was awesome. But it was, it, was, it was good to put Han Solo in a bar fight. That, that's a good choice. That's a good choice for his character. Uh, but that, but that, that situation was hilarious. is so intrinsically funny,
1: <laughs> I don't know where where genuineness ends and irony right. begins.
0: <laughs> Can we genuinely take irony out of the equation when a shadow monster is set on fire by Harrison Ford while they're in a casino? <laughs> a submarine? shadow
1: monster owned by a guy <laughs> named Niles.
0: <laughs> You're right, it's, it's hard to tease out the the goofiness from it. But that's part of the magic of Star Wars. I use the term magic loosely. Um. Well. Here, oh. Oh. I have another one. I have another one. And this is one I again I never expected. Garm Bell Iblis really grew on me. I. I don't necessarily want to say <laughs> that he. I don't want to say, say that Garm Bell Iblis was a good character structurally. I think it was very confused. I. I'm still not entirely sure. Well, I'm gonna. I'm anymore. gonna say
1: Garm would have won.
0: Garm would have won. Garm, Gar- Gar- Bernie would have won. It's very true. But I think like the character, especially in the Last Command, they actually gave him a lot to do. Like he he would be around and he would have like insightful things to say. And it's like it demonstrated, it showed, not told why he was a respected commander to begin with. And he he kind of grew on me as like a, the guy who's who's seen it all, but uh, still hasn't let him you know hasn't let it let it get him down. And he's you know he's he's a little he's a little proud but he cares you know so all in all I think Garnbel Iblis was a pretty a pretty pretty good character. I think he was
1: shown to be like the good version of the politician, whereas Feli is the bad version of the politician. You know,
0: that's true. They do form a kind of uh, dramaturgical dyad. Uh- <laughs> whereas whereas
1: Admiral but... Akbar's is a calamari monster who hates smugglers and. Mon Mothma is an elderly lesbian, so they don't
0: really get much characterization yes. in these books. They really, boy, they really don't. Mon Mothma, especially, she's just a total blank slate. I mean, the, cl- the closest she gets to characterization is Bell Iblis talking about her. Here's, so- here's something.
1: Here's something. I'll praise in that vein. I'll praise the trilogy for. I think it cuts a good balance between existing characters and new characters. Because yeah. there's always the problem of, like, with these, these types of, like, licensed uh, media where, like, the original characters are an afterthought at the expense of, like, these new characters that the creator is much more interested in. And I think that yeah. Zon did a good job of, of you know, just creating a, a balance such that, such that the new characters served as compliments to the existing characters as opposed to upstaging them.
0: Yeah, I agree. Although, I, although, I agree. although, 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 although,
1: I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit, and I, Mara Jade gets a bit too overpowering by the end. I think.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think Zon leans a lot on Mara Jade, and it, it was. It felt like to me, especially with the way that the novel ended on her. It ended with Mara Jade making the, the decision to throw in with the New Republic. That felt like the hook. That Thron was reaching toward for the next step, right? Um, but I, I I don't I know Mara Jade you know she remains in sorry excuse me she remains an important part of the uh, extended universe. But I guess we'll have to find out how much she appears in in Zon written stuff after this. But it felt like he that was his big setup for his his real breakout character was going to be Mara Jade, and not Thron. Um, because like honestly, I think if he could do it over again, he would not have killed Thrawn at the end of the book.
1: Especially because of <laughs> what I hear about like the follow-ups to the, this this uh, trilogy about how they yeah. find ways to yeah. quote unquote bring back Thrawn.
0: Right. It uh, it definitely seems to indicate
1: it's kind of it's yeah. kind of like in comics where. Where you kill off a character, you regret it because the character it's caught on and there's dramatic potential with bringing the character back. And then you bring him back and it's always just the dumbest way possible.
0: <laughs> um, I, I was actually kind of int- I was looking to see if I could determine when people started calling this the Thrawn Trilogy because I don't know that that appears on any of the actual novels. I don't think they say the Thrawn Trilogy on them. I could be wrong. Uh I do know that there there were some uh the Star Wars role playing game had some source books that were created based on the Thrawn Trilogy and those were collected into something called the Thrawn Trilogy source book. Um but I'm looking here at the uh, the Wikipedia page for the Thrawn trilogy, and uh, <laughs> let's just after and now now like we're si- we're sitting here we're we're basking in the glow of having finished it all. I just want to read you a few sentences, Ronnie. "Heir to the Empire" reached number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and the trilogy sold a combined total of fifteen million copies. The trilogy has been called "quote influential, much loved, and groundbreaking." End quote. In August 2011, 20 years after these were published. The series was voted into NPR's top 100 science fiction and fantasy books at 88th place. <laughs> top 100 in science fiction and fantasy?
1: That just shows how bad those genres are.
0: Well, no, I think it. I think it shows how bad NPR's. Constituency is. How, how dare
1: you impugn the name of Terry Gross at all?
0: I'm not imputing the name of Terry Gross. I'm imputing the name of people who tune into Terry Gross.
1: Oh oh um. oh! You, oh look, it's a coastal elite having a problem with the people's NPR. Uh, wait wait, don't tell me. It's Daniel.
0: <laughs> um. Oh oh uh, hey hey. Here's one thing I just thought of. We never found out where the fuck Joris el came from. Like it literally just never came up.
1: <laughs> well, you, you know, you you're you at the you're at your fucking uh, Mount Mount Tantric. Yeah, you, you, you get a few beers in you. <laughs> you're like, ah, clone some some Jedi Masters. See what happens.
0: Uh, clone a guy. Yeah, I've I've seen it confirmed. I, I double-checked on this. I've seen it confirmed by Timothy Zahn himself that the Guardian of the Mountain was indeed a different guy from Jorus Kabeoth who he came and arrived on Wayland and then killed. Well, it was just another I,
1: clone I, of another guy. I interpreted
0: I mean for all we know it may have been, no one ever fleshed this out. I always interpreted that as being like when uh when Obi-Wan told Luke that Darth Vader killed his father. Now, I always assumed it was, it was just like, well, Jerus Kabeoth is like the crazy cuckoo version. Like, the guy snapped. The Guardian snapped, and he's Jaruz Kabeoth, you know. But no, it was a, literally a separate, different guy was the Guardian, and then Joruz Kabeoth arrived on the planet. He came from somewhere else. He did not come from the cloning cylinders that were there, and killed the Guardian and took it all over. And at no point is that ever addressed in these novels!
1: I'd I'd read I'd read a novella oh, that's just George Cabayos hitchhiking across the galaxy.
0: Well, Zahn did write a novel called Outbound Flight, which presumably is uh, about.
1: Well, f- the... put, put that one on the reading list. We're gonna
0: have to. We're gonna have to put season, it on the reading
1: season season nine or whatever. Ah. <laughs> uh. So oh, any other praise we got for these uh these books.
0: Oh, let's see. Uh things that uh praised. Uh I, I, I wanted to make sure I concurred with you about I thought it was a good balance with um new characters versus old. I think Zahn was clearly most interested in writing for Thrawn. Um and Mara to an extent. I think Thrawn really held the most of his attention. I think he knew writing himself. Thrawn
1: the most. was absolutely like his pitch for the
0: trilogy. Totally, totally, totally. Um, but I, I, I do agree that it, oh, 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 yeah. Um, well, it's one of those things that's frustrating, right? Like you, uh, I think Timothy Zahn has, like you said, tepid tap water. He is a workmanlike stylist (laughs) and prose writer. Stylist is really devaluing the word stylist. (laughs) Not, I, I'm not, I'm not saying he's the worst I've ever read. He isn't. He's capable of putting sentences together, and that's actually like a high bar to clear, you know, judging from some of the other crap I've read. Um, but you get these glimpses of a much more talented guy in there, and one of those is that chapter which is all from the perspective of General Covell under mind control from Kabeoth.
1: Yeah, that was genuinely that was... disturbing.
0: It was genuinely really disturbing and chilling. it was really well done in how the information is like presented to the reader through the thoughts or lack thereof of general Cavell it was just really cool and I I found myself thinking like where was that guy
1: or about where when, was or that or about about when he did that whole thing about Joris Cabath having uh, Alzheimer's that was pretty like depressing
0: <laughs> it was depressing. <laughs> It's like,
1: you know, it made me feel something. That's, like, more than you can say about most of the trilogy.
0: <laughs> that's Yeah, that's that's true. Well, and that's the thing. Like There are these glimpses of, of like, kind of depth to the characters. Or not even depth to the characters, because it's Star Wars. You don't need your characters to be that deep. But depth to the... Uh, how do I put it?
1: Interiority. Um,
0: interiority, thank you, yes. Depth to the emotional reality that these characters are are doing. And to me like that would be like that would be the most fun thing about writing a big stupid dumb space fantasy space opera is like well now I get to put myself in the shoes of people who live in this very heightened reality. And what is that like? What is that like for someone to live in a world with walrus faces and laser swords? You know, it, it that would be very interesting to 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 explore. And it was done it was it was done but it was done so infrequently that it just became so much more frustrating and you really found yourself at least i found myself really thinking like if if he i don't know like if Tim had had like another year to let it kind of bake could it have been a little more fleshed out but when i say fleshed out it's it's long like i mean these are all you know books (laughs) but there could have been more meat on the bones you know what i mean um, and I, I think it's, it's it's frustrating. there could have been more meat on the bones. There could have been more thought about how you're presenting these plot points and and information. and it's frustrating when it's done well, you see it, you see that glimpse of it, and then it's like, well, we gotta move on. you know we got we gotta I, 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 I can't devote that kind of attention to every scene I'm writing. And maybe that's just you know, I mean Timothy's on he's he's a pop boiler writer, you know he's out there. He's a, he's a, I don't want to say hack that has very negative connotations, but he's, you know, workmanlike. He's not doing it for the art. (laughs) It just happens, it just so happens every now and then he makes an art thing happen. And, um, and there you have it. Uh, But I think you had, I think you had a pretty good, like, um, structure for us to, to hang a lot of our thoughts on, Ronnie. Because we were going to go through the characters and how we felt about what happened to them through the trilogy, right?
1: Uh, yeah I, I thought that that would be a good way of like ordering our thoughts into like and, and being able to like make some coherent uh, broader points about the the books let's uh, say narrative flaws um.
0: <laughs> shortcomings maybe
1: yeah shortcomings <clears throat> so I I I broke up the characters into group a which is pre-existing characters you know the lunchbox guys and then group mm-hmm. B the characters that are they're solely the creation of, of Timothy Zahn's twisted mind. Uh-huh. So, starting off in Group A, we've got Luke Skywalker. Just one U, not not two U's,
0: <laughs> right? Uh, well, how about you start us off?
1: Well, I think he, I think he quantitatively did a lot, but I'm not sure he really had a story arc, because. Mm. I mean, I I guess you would say his story arc is like, it's almost entirely in service of the Mara Jade character because he's through his like hillbilly goodness showing her that there's a life outside of being a careless uh, smuggler who's haunted with the specter of her dead boss telling her to kill Luke Skywalker all the time. Because I mean, the, the other the other thing that Luke does is like he just frets about like being able to train people and being a Jedi, but that really just kind of fizzles out because he teaches uh, Mara Jade like how to how to like shoot rocks and whatever, and that's about it.
0: Well, that's I think that's interesting. That you're right. Like the, I think the like Luke and Luke and very... Leia
1: gets, Luke and Leia get separated too often for there to be any real training
0: between them. Right, 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 um, and, re- and, and really, and really, the main characters are separated almost the entire time through this whole trilogy. And um, I know that's a, that's kind of a Star Wars tradition, but there are also there was also lots of time when they're all together. Yeah, right? like the like the get, entire
1: like the majority of the first Star Wars is right. The,
0: they're all together,
1: bringing bringing you know a group together for an adventure. And then, right. then, that's, then Empire that Strikes split. Back, you split them up, and then in Return of the Jedi, you reunite
0: them. Right. Um, yeah, for Luke, so his... Very early on, they established his kind of uh, motivations, I guess, or what he's preoccupied with as being about... You know, being the leader for a new generation of Jedi, and new, a new Jedi Order. Um And his you know, it it comes back, his anxiety about training and and is he good enough to, you know, blah, 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 blah. And and it really, you know, the, I, and I got to wonder, here's a question for you. Do you think Timothy Zahn threw in the Obi-Wan coming to him in his dream to say bye forever before or after Lucasfilm said no, in no uncertain terms, you cannot have a mad clone of Obi-Wan be a character in this? I'm not sure.
1: I mean, the thinking back to the Obi Wan scene, that definitely seemed like like him just shutting the door on Obi Wan showing up like at an opportune time in some part of the trilogy. You know, yeah. it's just like saying, "Nope, there's there, we're not going to have any more Obi Wan uh, premonitions or visions or whatever." Uh, yeah. Whether or not that has, whether or not that like hinges upon the. The decision to make Joris Kebiath his own care, or the mandate that Joris Kebiath be his own character, I'm not sure. Right.
0: Well, I think that I think I think now we're discovering something that that really takes so much wind out of the sails of what Luke's story would have been or could have been. Because if you if you're writing with like Luke Skywalker is worried about like his carrying on the Jedi tradition, he's lost his lost his last shred of contact with his old mentor, and then he's confronted by it seems like his mentor reborn. He's back. You know, that would be so much more interesting emotional territory for his character. Whereas instead, it's, sad, uh, it's if, basically three books
1: of Luke getting harassed by an old man.
0: <laughs> right, an old man that he just met. <laughs> Which is not saying, you know, Luke has a lot of, you know, experience being dragged around by old men he just met. But still, it's... Uh, can yeah, Can I, Luke I,
1: not break the cycle of grooming...
0: <laughs> we'll we'll see in the next uh, in the next trilogy. So who's next?
1: Leia, who I think gets I think we need to break up her story into two parts. The first part is the pregnancy. Yeah. The second part is her actions. Because the pregnancy, sure. I have to imagine that was like mandated by by Lucas or like strongly encouraged by Lucas because they wanted like okay we want to have like some kid some kid jedi down the line or whatever you
0: know yeah or it was strongly mandated by betsy because if she was going to be pregnant then Leia was going to have to be too yeah because i don't see because <laughs> i don't really see what the twins
1: add to the trilogy unless no yeah i mean i mean they they add nothing to the trilogy besides set up for like future expanded universe stuff and that's also what i yeah. think about sometimes like How much of this is, like, setting up plot possibilities for the rest of the EU? Because that's something you constantly... That's what you constantly have to think about with those fucking Marvel movies. You can't just... Right. You can't just, like, view them in a vacuum. You have to think about, like, well, shit, how is, like, Spider-Man 3 going to impact
0: uh, Doctor Strange 2 or whatever? (laughs) Well, I I think you're right that, like, Leia's... The the Leia pregnancy is interesting because it it kind of came and went. It, it's like sometimes she was pregnant and sometimes she wasn't. If you know what I mean. Um, you it would be a
1: it would be a situation where like if it was live action it wouldn't be plausible at all. Like her right, doing the right. stuff that she's doing. Yeah. Like like um, like even if she just had like a pillow un- underneath her, <laughs> you know,
0: it would yeah restrict her movement enough. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I, I think part of, if I'm Timothy Zahn and I'm thinking of ways to show that these characters have moved on together, like they, like time has passed. He wanted
1: to prove that Han Solo has had sex.
0: (laughs) Prove that Han Solo has had sex. But no, but I mean, like, that's, that's, that's a, I think that's a, you know, that's an easy shorthand for. I've entered the next stage of my life, right? Is you have children now? You know, um, although let's see, I can we can we discuss for a moment that you know Luke and Leia are twins, right? Yeah. So Leia would have been like what seventeen during the events of Star Wars: A New Hope? Yeah. Okay, so how old was Han Solo when that, I'm talking age gap good discourse? <laughs> Oh, man. So what, what I'm, what is, I'm saying is... This is going
1: to space cat person.
0: What what I'm saying is I think Han Solo is 15 to 18 years older than Leia.
1: <laughs> well, that would be in keeping with Harrison Ford characters, because remember like Indiana Jones fucked Marion Ravenwood oh, when she yeah. was 15.
0: That's right. Whoa. Yep.
1: He's, uh, dude, good old George Lucas. Harrison Ford was the original <laughs> Matthew McConaughey.
0: anyway but yeah leia leia was such a an odd
1: uh she also had like the most plot significant uh uh, materials but they were the most boring to read
0: right yeah which is uh, which is a fascinating thing to have happened but yeah you're right the whole nogri planet sequence well we talked we talked about when we went through dark force rising where like the Kashyyyk stuff and the Nogri plant stuff felt like parking Leia somewhere. You know, like, Leia's pregnant and she's Leia, so we're gonna just... We're gonna park her somewhere with Chewie and, you know, we can get on with the rest of whatever's going on. If you want to take Um, a more
1: charitable view, it's It's uh, Zahn. I almost said Vaughn. Uh, Zahn. (laughs) Zahn. uh, Vaughn is his uh, his clone. Uh, Zahn... Is is using these <laughs> plot lines to illustrate that Leia's power is diplomacy?
0: Yeah, or that or that she can that she can be an effective agent. Yeah, well, so she the, the, so, the guys around. Yeah, 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 so
1: she's like you know interacting with the Wookies and interacting with the nogrees and all these other fucking monster. <laughs> no, people. she really
0: she really stepped in it with the Wookiees. She she had a. <laughs> If you recall, she was making all kinds of blunders right off the gate with the Wookiees. Yeah. But you're right that, like, with the... We we were shown that... Uh, well, I also
1: love that, like, her entire plotline hinges on her being a Nepo baby.
0: I was gonna say, yeah, she demonstrated that as long as she's talking to people who worship her as the daughter of their god, she can be an effective diplomat. Well, it's, it's not enough that she's a fucking <laughs> princess. She has to
1: be fucking... <laughs> fucking lady vader
0: lady vader lady vader that, that's um, a cosplay
1: costume you don't want to look up uh, without the uh, safe search off oh boy no i definitely don't
0: i don't want to have anything to do with that all right who's next on the list well i sort of grouped like the
1: rest of these because these aren't main characters really they're <laughs> and all the rest <laughs> well i mean let's let's be honest like Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2D2, Lando, and Wedge—they're—they,
0: yeah—they really got—they don't have arcs. Mind. I mean, well, like the, the where were the droids during the Mount Tantiss attack? I think the last we saw of the droids, they were in the the pump room. My theory is that my theory made... is
1: that Zahn, uh his thesaurus the uh, entry for gay ran out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and He just couldn't. He couldn't find a way to fit him in. Yeah, uh, we we still have no idea how R two D two and C three PO got out of Mount Tantiss. Did they run with Lando and Chewie? Were they picked up later? And the uh, I, we don't know. Zom was not interested at all.
1: <laughs> I guess Chewbacca sort of got character development because we got to see his his house.
0: Yeah, we got we had a little bit. Well, we had to we got to meet his friend Salprin, who sadly got killed. Um. We saw his house. We saw that he's you know well respected and embraced by his by his community at home. That's pretty good.
1: So yeah, I guess Chewbacca does okay. Um, Lando, uh, Lando's, Lando, Lando's Lando, Lando like Lando was like he doesn't get like his own individual moments, but I like his interplay with Han Solo. So it's yeah. I mean that's sort of I mean that's sort of what he he exists to do. I, I mean, that's what he's there for. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of like modern discourse about characters treats all characters as like equals with their own amount of agency and stuff where you have to realize that there are there are like a lot of characters that exist like to be supporting characters to be like foils and and thus they have like they're useful, but they have limited utility. So you, you can't expect them to. To have like all of the facets you would expect of a main character, you know?
0: And Lando, I think Lando is like he is the he's the Han Solo foil, and it's interesting because he's not an opposite of Han Solo, he's another Han Solo. And it's it's kind of fun to see two Han Solos spark against each other. It's like right? if it's like, like if,
1: if Star Wars became like a fucking buddy cop show for like brief <laughs> exactly. moments.
0: Well, and because they always give Lando a buddy. You know, like he, uh, like in Return of the Jedi, you know he has uh, they gave him a they give him a Chewie, yeah. You know, a, a, an alien co-pilot who you can't understand, but he does, and he like riffs with him. Um, George he, Lucas had to be
1: talked out of just naming Lando Black
0: Han. <laughs> <laughs> but but I th- I still think though, like Billy D Williams's performance gives Lando. Yeah, that's, a, a that's something character. I was also going to bring up. I think a lot of this
1: a lot of the the books rest on you having positive associations with the characters already, and that
0: like oh yeah, oh yeah,
1: like not even just like positive associations with like like it's expecting you to visualize in your head like Harrison Ford saying these
0: lines, yes, it's expected of you like you can see Billy D. Williams smiling you know, rakishly and your charms. So yeah. So like in, <laughs> in that
1: respect, like, like Zahn is only doing 60% of the work.
0: Right? No, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. C-3PO, boy, just punching bag the entire time.
1: R2D2 at least gets to fuck a bunch of USB ports.
0: He gets to fuck some USB ports. He gets He's to, like a fucking sailor he, on
1: shore leave.
0: He gets to rewrap wire on an antenna For a few hours while Luke is in a coma. (laughs) You know, they gave him stuff to do. But C-3PO is really just there to absorb abuse from Han Solo and the omniscient third-person narrator of the novel. Which which I can always presume... Which kind of makes me wonder,
1: wonder, like, why is he there at all? Because he doesn't, like, serve much plot utility except occasional, like, (laughs) translation. So I'm thinking it's like a, a... It's either... Zahn himself was like, "Okay, C-3PO. He's in all the Star Wars. I hate him, but I got to put him in here." Or Lucas was like, "Okay, this is a Star Wars. This is nominally a continuation of the original trilogy. You got to have C-3PO in there."
0: Yeah, and and we know that, of course, you know George is very focused on C-3PO because C-3PO is a major figure in the prequel trilogy. Which I never imagined would me, be true. That
1: made me laugh. In, in one, of the, one of the last chapters of this book, uh, C-3PO says, thank the maker. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, he's actually thanking Darth Vader. That's funny. <laughs> he's thanking Darth Vader. That, that was a really <laughs> stupid, stupid decision those prequels made.
0: Uh, yeah, but it's all because George loves C-3PO so much. Um, okay, so that's the, uh, the George Lucas characters. And now we now get, now we get the, the now we get the Timothy Zahn originals. Now we
1: get the, the originals, which I think will yield an even more interesting discussion than the Lunchbox guys. Sure. The, the, the fanfic guys I call group B. Uh, <laughs> well, let's start with the big daddy of them all. Grand Admiral Thrawn. A man, Grand Admiral a, a man who's prestiged, uh, deteriorated over time over the course of the books. <laughs> Through even not that much fault of his own, really.
0: Sure, sure. It's
1: almost as like it's almost as though Zahn was losing interest in the character of Thrawn as the books went on.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Cause he was like, okay, look at this tactical genius, and then by the end of his it, it like, uh I really think they're going to, like, fucking attack uh, Tangrene, uh Grand Admiral. No, it's going to be Bill Bringy. Trust me, I got this. It was like, wow, his sharp analytical mind. It infuriates me, but he's so smart.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, boy, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And I, know, I guess we can't really... If Megan were here, she would be yelling at us for how ignorant we are about Grand Admiral Thrawn, because of course after these novels, he ended up being given a a very rich and detailed backstory. He gets his Basically, own like, prequel his, trilogy. He gets his own prequel trilogy. He gets his own prequel like comic books and stuff. Like I mean, he, gets he really a, like he
1: gets to be a shitty kid, a creepy adolescent. Probably had a rat tail for like six months.
0: Oh, I would hope so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but we, we only know Thrawn, and we're only going to be engaging with the Thrawn character as presented in this trilogy. And I think you're right that, like, he... Like, when are we going to even all... get
1: to the art factory sometimes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's... He's the Sherlock Holmes. You know, we, we've established that. He's very much based on Sherlock Holmes. Um, and that kind of characterization for him is so much stronger in heir to the empire than in the rest of the novels. Um, I mean, honestly in dark force rising, he's, he's completely out to lunch. Like all of his presumptions on what's going on are wrong. He does not grasp the situation at all. And that, that, that boat has kind of turned around for the last command Um, but it's still, but it's turned around where he does know what's going on, but Zahn can't think of a reason why. (laughs) So he, so he just knows. Um, but of course he is a very, he is the, the standout character. I think that there's, there's, there's no arguing that Thrawn is the reason why these books are remembered fondly. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to.
1: And I can understand Uh, why he was, uh, heavily, uh. Heavily used after this trilogy,
0: right? It's a it's a cool kind of antagonist, right the the calm cli- the magnificent bastard, you know, like the 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 guy you love to hate <laughs> and you hate to love. Well, he's
1: like a uh, he's like a Bond villain, you know.
0: Yeah, very much. He's he's cold and calculating. He's even stroking a fucking salamander, man. He's stroking a salamander. Is is you know as far as we're concerned, his origins are a little unclear, um, but it is. I, I think that to, to further Zahn the James very... Bond
1: metaphor, he may be played by a white guy when he shouldn't be played by a white guy.
0: <laughs> a, uh, a long tradition, um, but I, th- I think Zahn made the really fundamentally the the best decision. Timothy Zahn made was to go in the opposite direction for his big bad from Darth Vader for these novels. That really I think that's the secret sauce. That's some real juice right there. That instead of having the creepy old robot wizard who just chokes you if you disagree with him, you have the you know, maybe maybe not like uh, It's al- it's almost I- as like it's almost as if
1: Thrawn isn't replacing Darth Vader, he's replacing Tarkin.
0: Sure, and being and being a more yeah, he's a fleshed out version of Tarkin. He's it's a, like what he's, if he's
1: tar- what if the Empire was was reliant on like its military core as opposed to just a couple space wizard guys at the top.
0: Well, yeah, it's the, it's the heart versus the brain, right? Like instead of being instead of the Empire being under the control and direction of these figures driven by their powerful negative emotions, which is what the dark side is all about. It is instead driven by someone who is, you know... I, I would still think beholden to, to dark emotions. I mean, you, you don't execute Chris Peterson without having some darkness in your heart. Um, but it is done in a what, analytical way.
1: What if the Empire was run by someone on the spectrum?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, more or less, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think... The, what's interesting about Thrawn is that he does not have any development really. He's the same guy this whole time. Uh, he does not gain any new insight. He does not, and part of that, I guess, is you know that's part of his arrogance, right? He's the guy who thinks he knows everything. He's the guy who thinks he, he may not know everything. He's the guy who thinks he can figure anything out if he doesn't know it already.
1: And yeah, I think he's a that, static character, and that's not a drawback
0: right it's more it's more a matter of like it's a it's a uh, a kind of compass a lighthouse <laughs> for the for the rest of the story I, to come although I'll
1: say out. that the static character thing does become a problem because to have a static villain like that you have to have him complemented by villains that are more like that have more growth and doesn't really do that
0: well i mean niles farrier. I mean, Niles Farrier is so, down, so
1: far down the fucking depth chart, dude. we might as well be talking about how cool the Shadow Man was.
0: Yeah, the Shadow Man was pretty cool. Or the cool. Godel. Um,
1: the Godel who died. Yeah,
0: the Godel, and may he rest in peace. Um, but yeah, so I think with like... Uh, so you know, Thrawn is clearly... He was the character Zom was most interested to write. He's the character who... Is the most different from other Star Wars guys, but still fits with the setting.
1: One of the criticisms think, that has been brought up is that like Thrawn is a Star Trek character put into Star Wars.
0: Oh, but that, but oh, but that's actually why he's good.
1: No, no I'm just that's, I'm, that's I'm, a great insight. I'm, yeah, I'm.
0: Yeah. I
1: agree with you. I'm just saying
0: that's like a criticism. Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He's he's like he's like Khan. He's a Khan. Who's uh, who's thrown into the Star Wars world? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's 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 move along then. Who's who's next up on the list of uh, Timothy Zahn originals? The fanfic guys.
1: Well, I kind of put them in like uh, in order of importance, and I think we can both agree that the second most important new character is Mara Jade.
0: Clearly, yes, yes.
1: And that is that is when you got like that is when Zahn like tips his tips his hand as to like what his interests are. I'm not accusing, I'm not accusing, uh, Mr. Zahn of anything, but I would put the number of Mara Jade cosplayers he slept with at (laughs) Comic-Con between five and nine.
0: I was going to say, it's definitely non-zero. I will, I will, I will bet money it has happened at least once. But yeah, maybe absolutely. Closer to, maybe closer to five to ten times in the thirty years <laughs> since he published these books.
1: And I think what for well, real, and, and since we kind of talk about with these with Thrawn, like you know what what uh, like prompted his character to exist. I think Mara Jade is like a response to like proactive like uh, action hero uh, female characters of the eighties, like. Uh, Ellen Ripley, Sarah Connor, the the likes of those, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Leia is generally a passive character.
0: She and she wouldn't. She literally I had a, she, she literally
1: had a fucking slave bikini on in the third movie,
0: dude. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, and also, like, I, I think her her character is so much more wrapped up in the world of diplomacy and high and high politics she's not you know she's not an operator <laughs> like mara jade mara um, jade if she do- were
1: created today the exact same like characteristics and and plot purpose she would be decried as like the right wing would despise her
0: oh easily yeah it, it would it would be all the nastiest things they had to say about i don't know captain marvel or whatever or even uh,
1: ray from the new star wars is yeah but but uh, that aside, I think that she's a pretty well-rounded character. Um, almost to, uh, almost to the detriment of like the rest of the characters.
0: Yeah, so she gets a lot of kind of authorial attention, you know, because of Timothy's various fixations. <laughs> but but no, but I think she is actually very well. She's very well sketched out, which I think is interesting given how limited our knowledge of her is and her well, and part of that is she's limited in the knowledge of herself right like she says herself like she does not remember much of her life before she was recruited into the emperor's service so yeah
1: she didn't know her life before she became a playboy bunny
0: right so all she has is being a playboy bunny and then all that being taken away then then um, Hef dies and you you're fucked <laughs> but I do think I do think it's like she definitely had the most. Uh, well, I don't know if she had the most growth. We'll say I don't necessarily like using that term um, when it comes to talking about characters in fiction. I think she had the most. We got we got the closest look at how she changed over the course of the narrative because that was kind of part of what was Tim was interested in. Um, I think I think you know,
1: she moved the furthest from where she was at the start.
0: Precisely. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you. That's a be- that's a much better way to put it. Um, so so that, I think like, the, like most of the other
1: characters, you could say like their growth was they died. Uh, but like <laughs> to use another example: like Talon Card. It's like pretty much the same as he was when we met him. But yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that in a bit.
0: Well, yeah. Would you like to move along to? to no, I think we need one? to
1: talk a bit more about Mara Jade because. She, she's kind of like, she's also kind of like Leia, Leia was like an action girl, you know, okay. because she's also force sensitive. She's, she's using the lightsaber. I mean, I mean, if I recall the ending correctly, Leia does get a few licks in with the lightsaber, but it's mostly Mara Jade. I mean, she's the one who kills Joris Kabath after all.
0: Yeah, Leia does use her lightsaber for a couple of actions. She doesn't get any hits in on Khabath, but she does use it to like perform a couple things, and then she gets uh, and, th- and then a bridge falls on her. <laughs> you know, another catwalk, which there's just so many catwalks uh, in in everywhere. See, in Star this Wars. is
1: like you know Timothy Zahn's like a uh, Reddit child-free uh, warrior woman. She's not <laughs> she's not you know dragged down by being pregnant.
0: <laughs> right, she's the, she's this career girl versus the family woman that uh, that Leia is. Although I I would I would push back a little bit about uh, like, well I don't know like you're right. It's, it's if Leia was an action girl and I but I don't mean that. I, I don't think you mean that in the sense of Leia being a passive character. Well, um, I think she's Leia, well, I Leia think is she's feisty. Like, well, I think
1: she's she's not passive, but I think she's like a civilian character. As well, she's she's an
0: to... she's an. In, she's an
1: an, she's an
0: indoor kid.
1: Yeah. She's a, she's a Lisa kid. Simpson.
0: She's a Lisa Simpson. Mara is uh she's an outdoor feral kid. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, I generally liked Mara Jade. I I think that also the burgeoning relationship between her and Luke Skywalker is about as good as I can expect a Star Wars romance to go.
0: it's it's earned as far as these things go for sure yeah
1: and i do like i do kind of find it funny that that mara jade like her like most of her like turn from maybe not bad character but like morally neutral character to like full-on good guy is just like being exposed to to luke's stupid naive viewpoint and just dormless, guileless uh, uh, nicety.
0: Yeah. Well, once once again, I th- I think you really you know you were very perceptive when you identified Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker as a literary reflection of the relationship between my wife and myself.
1: You've just, just you've just destroyed her her cynical black heart with your uh, your, <laughs> your your adorable foolishness.
0: My, 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 my po-faced idiocy melted her icy heart and she's, and she's never been the same since.
1: Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think I also like, uh, like Marjade cause I, I'm a fan of your wife. So, you know, gotta be, if you're a fan of one, you're a fan of the other vice versa. For sure. For sure. Um, I definitely, it will be interesting to see where she goes
0: on, in the EU. I'm very curious to see how she's written by non-Zahn authors. That, I think, is going to be a real test. That might get us mad. Yeah. (laughs) Because Timothy Zahn respects Mara Jade, goddammit.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like... uh, I'm trying to think. It's kind of like reading certain uh, X-Men characters not written by Chris Claremont or... Or even better example, like, uh, Howard the Duck appearance is not written by the creator. They just seem off. <laughs> and You can tell. And they're you know, not really canon, but anyway. Let's move on to, right. like, maybe problematic fave, Joruz Kabeoth.
0: Joruz Kabeoth, baby. Joruz Kabeoth. Originally
1: meant what to be a-, a mad clone of Alec Guinness, but then... His estate probably said, <laughs> "Go fuck yourself." Are
0: you crazy? Go fuck yourself. No.
1: So it said we Charles get like said so we get like you know suspiciously similar substitute who almost tries to play on like the 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 depth and breadth of the Luke Obi Wan uh, relationship, but fails.
0: I do, I do want to say that I think it's, uh, I think it was very brave of Timothy Zahn to introduce uh, a little bit of On Golden Pond to the Star Wars universe and have a <laughs> and have a dementia stricken elderly man <laughs> as a main character. i was
1: gonna say, like, shout out to the Neurodivergence.
0: Yes, uh, shout out to all of us with uh, brain problems, brain decay. Uh, non non usual brain development. But he's, such, we're all, he's we're all brothers. He's
1: such a weird character, though, and that's not even getting to the fact that he's a clone of a guy we don't know.
0: Yeah, it's a very
1: see that he, that's that's the thing. Like, it, it's so weird that like a big part of him is that he's a clone, but he's a clone of somebody we've never heard of before. Like, right, right, like. I would have given Zahn a little bit of credit if, like, he took some stray line of dialogue from, like, Empire Strikes Back about some dead Jedi and was like, okay, it's the clone of that guy. The, way, the same way he, like, spun the many Bothans died to bring us this information to a whole, like, political subplot.
0: Yeah, to a whole guy. <laughs>
1: right. But instead, George Cabas oh, yeah. like, well, here's another old man. Fuck it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's very. I think it's interesting. Well, here we get into like what clones are, right? Like, was very clones... late in the game,
1: it's established that they they go crazy because I guess there's like some. Soul well, they disconnect. go crazy,
0: but I'm I'm thinking more like he's old. When was he cloned? Or is it if you clone <laughs> an old guy, does it grow an old guy in the vat?
1: What if he just has progeria, dude? <laughs> <laughs> or he has jack d- there's jack disease from from francis He has Ford jack, disease. jack he's actually 36 he
0: has jack disease. oh it's tragic it's tragic
1: or he's, um, maybe he's 40 in daniel years
0: yeah i do think it's interesting like so so kabath would have been one of those characters that i would have pegged at the beginning as being a static character I would have thought that he probably was just going to be that guy for the whole time, but he does actually develop, and maybe it's just clone madness getting stronger or whatever. But like as he's, I thought that was a cool touch. Like as the trilogy goes on, he's stretching his muscles more and more, doing force stuff and control. Yeah, I think that's definitely. Gui- one, I think actions. that's
1: definitely one of the high points of this third book. But I do feel like yeah. in the previous two book, bu- the previous two books, like there was a lot of like repetitive stuff of just like. Uh, Thrawn oh, and yeah. K'Bath arguing.
0: Well, ultimately, I I'm I'm kind of gotten hung up on like what the whole point of the Joe Mark interlude was.
1: I think it was so there was an action sequence, and so that, I guess, but... and so that Luke knew who Joris K'Bath was.
0: Yeah, I guess there's that. It, it introduces the characters to him so that then they can dread having to confront him later on. This this, but bo- it still this feels book trilogy really is pretty, This
1: book trilogy is pretty bad at like getting like main characters to know <laughs> that <laughs> other main characters exist.
0: It is, yeah.
1: Like remember, like remember the first book how it took like the entire book for them to to one know the that a Grand Admiral
0: existed and two what his name was. Leia didn't even believe that it was true until she saw him halfway through the second book. It's like I
1: understand like to a point like slow ro- rolling the reveal of your villain but there's got to be a point where it's like okay we we <laughs> we know who we're actually dealing with.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um the George George Kabe- it gets back to George Kabeath. Um boy, what do you say about the guy? I love that we never learned anything about where he came from or why he has a medallion. <laughs> He just just he just likes having a medallion. I know next to nothing about the original Joris Kabaoth. Yeah, other than that, he seemed pretty stuck. Well, you know, Leia went to the library, or Luke went to the library. That was when Luke went to the library. Please, when it Luke was, goes, uh, we call it
1: a library.
0: A library. He went to the library. You know, and he looked up. He was a je- he, he proclaimed himself a Jedi master. Now, all this is leading me to think about like why was I think Thrawn? There's like a line of dialogue where Thrawn intimates that. Jorus Kabeoth was selected for like part of the Emperor Palpatine's cloning program to like to clone a known powerful Jedi or something like that there's there's some kind of offhand mention of it which I really feel like should have been fleshed out more and made more explicit um just to give us some idea of like why this guy even exists
1: well that's the problem with uh, like Zahn probably not being able to explain what the Clone Wars actually were (laughs) it's true he, he keeps oh, on, like, point. intimating something about it, but he can't get into specifics, so it's just left up to our imaginations. Yeah. Which yeah. is less, uh, like... Like, in the original Star Wars, it was cool, like, you would have off re- off-hand reference to Clone Wars, but... In these books, it's just irritating. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: it's like why don't you tell me shit that happened thirty years
0: ago that you're in fear of
1: happening again?
0: And and, and I, I I will say this is one of those where uh you know, Timothy masterfully planted the seeds um because he did come out with a, a novel, Outbound Flight, about Joris Cabayoth and the and the and the fate of that outbound flight, which came out in two thousand sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's very funny and of course he's making up he's making up as he goes he had no idea I, w- I would love it ago. if
1: it was like the beginning of fucking uh, Last Crusade and we see like George Cabath get the dirty bathrobe <laughs> he gets it from another insane old guy Is like here you go kid I would say that Joris Kabaoth was in a vacuum an okay character. But I think they, he was either like used too often with no progress in his plot line or yeah. his scenes just became very circuitous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I I think it was because there
1: were so many goddamn scenes of Thrawn being like, I can't get you the babies just
0: yet. It's like, I need the babies now. It's like, <laughs> I need the babies. I need the babies. I do, oh I need to correct myself. Outbound flight was was came out in 2006, not 2016. That's
1: still pretty so. that's still 13 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's still quite a gap. Um yeah, George Kabeoth. fascinating. I think I George Cabeoth honestly only makes sense knowing what we know about how Zon could not use Obi-Wan Kenobi clone.
1: Well, also George Cabath uh, ensures that there's like a a Jedi half to the to the trilogy because Thrawn right, fulfills right. like the military half, and then you got uh, uh, George Cabath for the like a uh, hoodoo evil Jedi uh, half, yeah. mystical crap. Which which right, like right. that's what that's what Star Wars is sort of a synthesis of, and if you don't like balance those elements correctly, you. You uh, don't succeed
0: Yeah Hey Ronnie have you ever heard of or do you know about The 1st Earth Battalion
1: Is it like Were they like beating up Italian immigrants in the early 20s
0: (laughs) No This was a uh, It's a fascinating document It was a kind of concept Slash proposal from uh, A US Army officer who had Served in Vietnam uh, and when he came back he got real into new age stuff and as I think as part of kind of processing his own kind of PTSD about everything he had he had been made to do and felt bad about um but his concept was about creating a type of fighting force to utilize metaphysical powers right because around this time like the hippies and the new age people really believed that like, Shit was going to pop off. Psychic powers were real. We were going to figure out how to use them. Uh, You know, all all this kind of stuff. So his concept was you could create a world peacekeeping force of, like, psychically sensitive, New Age-informed soldiers. Wait a minute. Was that 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 movie, The Man Who Stared at Goats? He was... I don't know that he was directly involved in that program. I don't think he was. This is just in that same kind of time period, that same milieu. Um... But yeah, the 1st Earth Battalion, that's the, uh, that's kind of the, honestly, I would wonder, like, Jedi kind of seem a lot like that. Like, they're the, the, the militarized arm of woo-woo New Age bullshit during the Old Republic. <laughs> but yeah, 1st Earth Battalion, you can find it as a free PDF. The guy illustrated it himself. Uh, it's a really kind of beautiful, strange document of an odd time in our country's history.
1: So I think we've said all we need to say about Joris Skabaya. So let's move on to yes, to Talon Card, who's Talon Card, Timothy Kazard, C- Kazan,
0: Timothy Kazard, who Tim says that he's you know humble. We, we remember that note about how like the appearance of Talon Card in Star Wars media is now heavily influenced by how Timothy Zahn appeared in 1995 because like uh, the. There was a Magic the Gathering style collectible card game based on Star Wars that was created at the time. And so Timothy Zahn was flown out for a photo shoot to be the image on the Talon Card card as like a little fun treat for everybody. But that's what became the dominant vision of Talon Card. So anytime you see Talon Card in the comics or if he ever shows up, if Talon Card ever shows up in a Dave Felony joint, uh, I hope Timothy Zahn gets even more residuals because it looks like him. Um, but yeah, talent car. I don't know if you can find another... somebody in
1: Hollywood As hunky as Timothy Zahn Circa 1995
0: <laughs> With that goatee mm. Mm. Yeah, looking, better looking go, like a better, go
1: better go check the modeling agencies
0: That's right <laughs> Well, we all know, you know, Talon Card is the kind of guy, again, according to that author note that, uh, you know, how he souped up the wild card. He's the kind of guy who would drive a minivan around town (laughs) with a Lamborghini V12 under the hood.
1: (laughs) That might be the lamest fucking thing Timothy Zahn's ever said in his history of lame-ass things to say.
0: I love it so much. I love it so much. Uh, Yeah, Talon Card. It's. It was explicitly said in the author notes that this, Tim's concept for this was that it would be what if uh, Han Solo hadn't been at that bar on that afternoon, you know, to hook up with uh, Ben Kenobi and and the and the kid, um, and that tracks. I I, like I disagree
1: card... because oh because talent card seems to me to be that in theory, but think about it this way. Does talent card ever do anything that actually impedes our heroes? Really?
0: No. No. He's he's not at all the. So he's basically just like fucking no. Han Solo all over again. He's not. He's not a wild card. I'll say that he he's has clear, no. He has no clearly... independent
1: agenda, and in fact, it's kind right. of insulting that it takes him so long to actually get on the side of the fucking rebel. Uh, yeah new I mean it was
0: obvious from the get go he was never going to actually endanger any new republic person um he's one of those characters that is a, he's he's one of the static characters i feel uh and that makes sense for like his position in what we might call the political economy of Star wars, which is gonna be the name of my academic paper i write also I like what the
1: what the fuck are, why the fuck are smugglers so prevalent i mean That's what I want to figure out. (laughs) It would be like if if, if the American political system, it was the Democrats, the Republicans, and smugglers.
0: That's the Democrats, the Republicans, and the fentanyl operations. (laughs) And and hey, maybe it is. Um, But yeah, so like Talon Card is one of those that like, he's, he's a static character through the whole thing. He doesn't really change very much. And that's okay because he's very established, right? He's a guy who's figured out where he fits into all this stuff. He's an information broker. He's a smuggler. Smuggling is the like employs fifty percent of people in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, it's almost like he wanted to use Han
1: Solo, but he he realized that Han Solo had experienced too much character growth to do this shit anymore. So he had to invent <laughs> Talon Card.
0: So my question for you is: What are Talon Card's character traits outside of his interaction with his uh, smuggler crew? He's a cool guy. I think he's actually a pretty thinly drawn guy.
1: He's he's Timothy Zahn. He's the king of Sizzler. He's Timoth-
0: he's he's the king of Tampa, prince of the Sizzler, T- Timothy Card. But I think like he viceroy of the def-
1: Discovery Zone.
0: <laughs> so it's Card for me is always defined as, or he, all of his character moments come from his. Uh, dealings with his underlings. Right? I guess it just shows that he's
1: like a cool boss and a
0: cool guy. He's a cool boss and a cool guy. I say that, I I, I guess he also has some moments when he's like negotiating with the other smuggler guys. But I think it's very interesting that like Talon card is drawn primarily like for the reader via his support or admiration for Mara Jade. Like that's a character trait. He's He's not exactly self-interested. He's more... He's organizationally interested, which I think is an... Is a That's an odd, but not unworkable choice. Where it's not... He's not out for himself. He's just really looking out for his guys. You know, through all I this. I think
1: it would be interesting if he... like The only reason he had an outside interest in Mara J is because she had force powers and he wanted to like use those to get an edge in his business.
0: Well, I think that he... It's, it's in the text that he's, he suspects that she does have those powers. Yeah, but like... If early the, on. It was actually,
1: yeah. like, outright. That was would give outright, him like yeah, a, yeah, That yeah, would give that him, like, be... a... Not even a sinister edge, but just, like, an edge that he lacks. Right, right.
0: He really is the most squeaky-clean criminal smuggler, I think, in the Star Wars universe.
1: That, that's why it would be funny if we find out, like, in the last couple of pages that he... he what he smuggles is, like, heroin or child pornography.
0: <laughs> that's his main line of business. <laughs> that, that's into, it like all be. the
1: characters are are discussed. It's Like, what? I thought you knew that about me.
0: <laughs> but I, I I'm, the, wonder, I'm the, know, the number like,
1: one child porn monger of the galaxy.
0: Here's here's something I'll ask of you: Is Talon Card believable as the leader of a fairly large organization who commands ultimate respect and trust? I
1: think so. I mean,
0: I. Yeah. I don't think.
1: I think he's. He's supposed to be like this, the beloved starship captain with, like the, the like loyal crew archetype. Yeah. So I think it's believable that he, he has loyalty among his uh, subordinates.
0: I will say that he is. He 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 does demonstrate a formidable loyalty to Mara whenever she gets into trouble. So, and, and like, I maybe say that because like, up, I don't maybe think maybe that's
1: setting up a stupid love triangle.
0: <laughs> maybe. Well, I was going to say, I, I don't think there's any other, like none of his other guys really get into trouble. Like Gent or, uh, or Chives, whatever his name is, Chin and Aves. They don't really get in. Yeah. 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 Uh, Finn Torv, uh well i guess finn torv does get into trouble um but they don't really get into trouble and need his intercession as much as mara jade does and that might have been i know thrown in something where he comes to like aves's rescue might have done more to establish him as like oh so he really is that guy um but anyway yeah yeah sorry i'm just a little a little mumbling i've i've gone through most of my glass of malbec i'm i'm nice and relaxed
1: <laughs> yeah so i think we're in agreement. to town cars like a static uh han solo ripoff that yeah like i mean most of his characterization comes from us knowing that timothy zahn's a cool dude
0: pretty much yeah uh yeah who's so who's who's next on the the fanfic list
1: uh Pleyan, who gets a lot of page time but very little development
0: Yes. He is another very static character. Well that's
1: because he's basically like the the even I'm though the, on the he, point of him
0: <laughs> Well, he's
1: he's the POV character for a book written in third person.
0: Right. Yeah. And he's also like I and mean, he's a static character and that's who he is because he's the guy who's he's been a navy man through three different governments. He was a navy man for the old republic, he was a navy man for the Empire, he's a navy man for Thrawn's Imperial Remnant. Like that that's the kind like of guy he is. He's that's basically he
1: placed is. as Thrawn's hype man for most of the books. Right. Yeah.
0: And I and I and I enjoy him. I I think you'll know, play on like it's fun to have that kind of like the stuffy foil for Thrawn to surprise. Yeah, That's a like, fun little like bit. what
1: would like a Sherlock Holmes uh, story be without Watson?
0: <clears throat> Precisely. Yeah, someone to be amazed at the at the at the ortho at the orthogonal thought of his uh, of his uh, compatriot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you
1: like fucking uh, solve a mystery while zonked out on opioids uh, in the middle of the forest, does anyone hear you solve the mystery?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he has to be there so that Thrawn can really shine.
1: Yeah, someone has to has to acknowledge how great Thrawn is, and that's Pleyan's job. Now, what yeah. I find interesting by, what I by, find interesting yeah. is that he's not killed off in this book.
0: Not that we know of. Yeah, he's injured severely. And spoilers: sure, but He we...
1: survives.
0: Okay, yeah. We I guess we've had... now we I, listeners. You have to know since we finished the books, it's been open season on Wikipedia, to try, but <laughs> to try to make and even, out of tales. But even season. then, like.
1: We we never get text saying that he's definitely dead, so it's like ambiguous right. regardless.
0: And that's and that's fine, you know. I mean they made Boba Fett come back for stupid reasons, so you know Boba Fett's turn is
1: way dumber than Ployon's, like if you get yeah. if you get your throat <laughs> slashed, you can survive that. You get eaten by a fucking uh, George Lucas's fear of vagina detenta. I mean <laughs> There's no
0: coming back from that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so play on. Like I enjoyed the character generally because, like, he was he was like Watson. If he had like some really racist aside, so probably if you just read the original Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, <laughs> read Watson, probably right. what Watson
0: is. <laughs> just read what Watson has to say about the Afghans. <laughs> just
1: Hungarian slander for page after page. Indeed
0: Alright Next, next, we're, getting, on the next list? we're getting
1: like really We're getting to the real drags With like Winter
0: Yeah Boy Winter was most interesting When she was my prime suspect for Delta Source And, and I kind of uh,
1: put her on the list So we have an excuse to talk about Delta Source again
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie That is one of these stupidest Shaggy dog story endings To a plot thread a fucking tree. I've never seen in my life. Come on. So fucking. And that's another one where like, you know, you know that Timothy on was like, like, aha, they'll never see this coming. It like, yeah, we never saw it's like, it yeah, whatever's coming because be it's stupid
1: fucking stupid. Yeah. That's one way to, that's one
0: way to sub, subvert expectations, Tim. <laughs> it was so weirdly written as well. But I anyway, I guess to get back to Winter. Um yeah, she's just a real kind of nothing of a character. I I feel like she was introduced like the whole reason she exists is I think to have someone who can take care of the babies.
1: Also, eventually. also someone that can deliver exposition because she has the yeah no, she memory. Does a lot of that, right?
0: Which doesn't really come up all that much. She's barely in the last command. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe two mention, two three mentions of her. Yeah, so she's
1: really, like, in the, the rest. It's, like, really yeah. just there to be Liz, Au Pair. Yep, and all the rest. And uh, yeah. the the last two I have are... I'll go with Niles Farrier first, because I, I think he's actually a pretty good character, because he's the, the character you love to hate,
0: you know? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he died and pretty And he's one that I did not... <laughs> He died hilariously, and I never expected him to come back. Like I, you know, I I figured with Dark Force Rising, like that would be the last we saw of him. The fact that he came back for the last command to have a few pretty hilarious scenes of him, like you know, spit like like flop sweating and spitting his way through, you know, being found out by the other smugglers. That was great. (laughs) That really was. I I enjoyed that.
1: And then he had a shadow monster that. And, and, of course, his really, best friend, the Shadow Monster. Really, like, if if anything needed extensive footnotes, it was that entire sequence. But I want to know <laughs> why it was there, why he came up with it, and, like, is the Shadow Monster... And why does... The Shadow Monster meant to be, like, the, the bizarro Chewbacca to, you know, Niles' bizarro
0: Han. Right. Right. Like, and and also like, why does no one remember that he has a shadow monster best friend? <laughs> I guess like I guess like <laughs> if if talent
1: card is Han Solo, if he kept on being a smuggler, Niles Farrier is just like, what if Han Solo was like the worst fucking smuggler imaginable?
0: Uh, Niles Farrier is like, what if Han Solo got into smuggling death sticks? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which we know that Niles Farrier smokes. He's, he smokes cigars. That was
1: like of one tabac. of his main character traits for a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And oh, and the last Niles one Perry. I have is just the generalized <sniffs> Nogri. Because I think if I go further... <laughs> we I, do
0: have to talk about the Nogri. I think
1: if we go further than that, we're just going to be listing stupid names like Mazik and Tomas Gillespie. I oh, I guess I guess, right. I guess before we go to the no we'll just talk about garm for a little bit uh,
0: I was gonna say Gar- garm needs to come up for a little bit yeah but I
1: think we talked we talked about garm before in the podcast so I guess just like summarize yeah. our our thoughts briefly that um I would surprisingly I, I just... long-lived character allowed for some uh some timeless jokes about the 2016 2020 <laughs> democratic <laughs> primaries. <laughs>
0: Jokes which will be appreciated for centuries. Hence, and uh, yeah,
1: I, it, it also seemed like a character that could have like been a betrayer, but just turned out to be a upstanding guy.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I th- that's. I think that was actually a pretty fun kind of arc to do with him, taking him from like coming in from the cold as an unknown actor and really bringing him into the fold and making it it, it... it felt pretty natural in a way that I'd never expected because, of course, when he's introduced, uh, you know, the episode where it happens, of course, we get a lot of fun out of the fact that, like, the way it's written is, like, we're all supposed to know who Garm Iblis is and be really impressed. Well, he's the,
1: re- he's um, the senator from uh, Corellia. Yeah, from
0: Space Vermont. Yeah. Um, Han, Solo's Space and, Vermont. Uh, Han Solo's Space Vermont. Han Solo's Space Vermont. Han is from Space Burlington. I bet you didn't know that. Um, I love that
1: that Han Solo is starstruck by Garm uh, initially, and then they share no scenes together the rest of the
0: series, pretty much. (laughs) You're right. Garm, who remembered him from his middle school years when he came to be a guest speaker at the class.
1: Remember the dumbass question some kid asked
0: some some dumb kid in a vest was asking me these questions. <laughs> but yeah, Bell Iblis, you were enjoyed. You were enjoyed. So now uh, it's
1: the 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 nogri.
0: The nogri. The nogri. Perhaps the worst did, of Timothy Zahn's
1: creations.
0: And it's it's something we've of course talked at length especially during the season about Dark Force Rising, where they're so prominent and
1: ugly, ugly yeah, creatures,
0: ugly creatures, hilariously described every time when you learn that Timothy was trying to describe an alien who looked like Darth Vader. Uh, which is just such an amazing none of the art. If you go on Wikipedia and you look up the Nogri, like none of the. None of the other artistic interpretations have taken but, that. I'd tack. be
1: like if Darth Vader's mask was like the Philly fanatic.
0: It, it was based <laughs> on a race
1: of creatures that looked like the Philly fanatic.
0: Yeah, terrifying. Um, boy, but boy, the no Nogri. One note. A one note race. Not just a one note character. One note society. The thing
1: is, they're just as obnoxious when they turn out to be good guys as when they were bad guys. Yeah. And it's almost as though that's, like, Zahn trying to make a point, but I have no idea what that point is.
0: And here's something I thought was, uh... At no point did Zahn show the Nogri being successful. Like, they, like, were supposed to be threatened by them through the whole, you know, like, the whole, like, first... We'll we'll call it the first half of the trilogy. And, like... it would it would be one thing if like they they were shown to have like pulled off like none of their none of their actual attacks pull, actually make it happen. They never pull off a job, and I think it would have done more to like demonstrate. I don't know. You, you could have had a thing to demonstrate. They're like, they're like the fucking foot soldiers from the
1: Ninja Turtles cartoon. Like you never. But expect- they're
0: supposed to be super. They're supposed to elite. be, but they're not.
1: They get clowned every time. So. So, to, to further my metaphor, this would be like if at the end of the, the Ninja Turtles cartoon, Shredder got stabbed by a foot soldier and bled out.
0: That's, You'd yeah, be like, what true. the fuck
1: just happened?
0: I mean, you're talking about uh, a, a group of uh, highly trained commandos who could be defeated by being piled on by Bims at a flea market.
1: Bims did not make my list, sorry to say.
0: <laughs> they are non-characters. I mean, all the, all the listeners know we love the Bims, but yeah, the Nogri. I think we went over all of our we went over at length all, all of our problems with the Nogri as a concept during the Dark Force Rising. They episodes. got so it does they bear, got so fucking
1: irritating, dude. Especially when they were like yeah. just catering to all of Leia's needs, and it's just like stop being so yeah. obsequious. And just really, boring. It's like uh, oh man, another alien race that's obsessed with honor. Terrific. <laughs>
0: We never had one of those before. They're just bullshit Klingons. They're bullshit cling Final Verdict. Bullshit Klingons. Tap tap.
1: That should be the title of the it. the episode.
0: Bullshit Klingons, maybe. We'll see. Um Alright. Well yeah, that that was a that was a fun exercise. it's uh, a very good concept, Ronnie. Thank you. That really helped kind of order our thoughts and we got to talk sort of. Yeah, like I said, I think
1: after the characters I have listed—we're just getting down to like silly names,
0: exactly. And speaking of silly names, I, I want to take at least a couple minutes to round out. We've already gone very long, almost two hours now, um, and uh, but I just want to go through kind of our our favorite stupid names uh, from the from the uh, from the trilogy. And I will—I'll uh, start off. I have a character division and a planet division. Oh boy! Uh, so my favorite. My favorite stupid names of characters uh, Borsk Falia. I just hate the way That feels in my mouth I don't like it uh, Finn Torv Finn Torv Stupid name And taking the top spot Number one gold medal stupid name That also gr- brings me great joy Star Wars character Samuel Tomas Gillespie <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be controversial
1: with my number one. I'm gonna give it to Talent Card. I think the only reason I think the only reason we don't hate the Talent Card name as much as we should is because we've just been worn down by the repetition of having to use it so often. Because if you really That's think about point. it, Talent Card is just such a stupid <laughs> '90s <laughs> it's name. Very
0: stupid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what else you got? Like
1: fuck it. Well, like his name was like fucking, uh, fucking Birdman Scribbage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. His name would be something like. Uh, his name would be something like Claw Flush. Um,
1: I, this is like me just going off the top of the dome, so I apologize if it's not as good as yours, but. I remember like Buffash or whatever that was a planet?
0: Yes. Yes. I yeah, I'm generally is. I'm
1: generally in favor of everything that doesn't have vowels in them, you know? Yeah. Um the Bims, the Bims were were I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the stupid simplicity of Bim.
0: And on the planet Bimisari, and they're named Bims. Uh, I do love the BIMs. I love the BIMs. And just so much. just
1: a shout out to the cloning convention that only works if you're reading it. Because if you're saying yes. it out loud, yes. it makes no sense.
0: No sense at all. And the and the fact that it is in text spoken of as a mispronunciation, the fact that Thrawn says he's mispronouncing his own name, and you know that they're saying their name stupidly is just is just oh chef's kiss. So good. It's
1: like it's like he wanted to give it's like if he wanted to give George Bath a pronounced lisp but then he was like, No, that's too close to C three PO
0: So I have a few other place names that were very stupid. Uh Oh what, so what, what about what about uh the the Nogree planet, like Ho Hunger. yes, that's on my list, Honiger Terrible. Just throwing the G H's in there. And, you know, as someone with a G H in his last name, I took personal offense to that. Um Svivren was pretty bad and my absolute favorite planet name Phil. <laughs> I think what I think what
1: we <laughs> learned from from this exercise is that there is like a certain art to creating like sci-fi names.
0: There is. There really is. Yeah. Cuz it's like cuz
1: because cuz when you like really think about it, when you really get down to it like why is like Luke Skywalker a good name and like any of the shitty names we brought up shitty names yeah and it's not yeah. so yeah. and we're, it's we're, not solely because we're we're indenuated with the name Luke Skywalker we've heard it for for decades so we've gotten used to it right. there there's there's it's, some it's also, there's some has, je quoi
0: there exactly yeah and and it and it is it is something that like you have it or you don't like one of my favorite science fiction authors jack vance is an absolute master at coming up with uh you know names for planets and names for stuff that sound you know they sound outre they sound like not something you would hear around here but they also make sense as a word and timothy's on is Joe much too fond of Making names that do not actually sound like words. And you can't do that. Or shit you like Joe can't. Mark. Joe Mark. Yeah, his, well, his Tuckerisms. These are, these are the um, tributes to people that he knew, including Wade Wen. That's, that's his friend Wade Warren. And there were two of his Tuckerisms that I particularly disliked. There was a mention of a Stonehill Corporation. And if you recall on Mirker, their main city is Hilliard City. Both of those are just straight up. They're not switched around. They're not specified. There's like a Stonehill uh, science fiction club, and he has a couple of friends named Hilliard. I do
1: like that there were, and, and of course, I do like and that of course, there were like chapters of these books where it was just like those those genealogy uh, uh, chapters from the Bible, where it was just <laughs> name after name, each dumber than the last.
0: I'm reminded of. Uh, uh Monty burns getting uh impatient at his wedding to uh marge's mother mrs Bouvier uh and telling the the preacher yes yes we've heard enough about him ham and Bliz blaz get along with it
1: Blizz-Blaz would be a perfect name for a planet or a guy what about Z- what nervous. about Zahesbra? <laughs> you just put it. You just put Clint another Gun. word inside a zebra, and you're like, they won't get that one. I,
0: I like the like. I like. I like to imagine the thought process of I'm going to call the race of this person Zehethbra, and his name is going to be Klingun I like not stripy <laughs> or something, but Klingun <laughs> Clyburn
1: the oh. Zehethbra.
0: What a great novel series of novels! What a great character! What a great writer! Timothy Zahn is Ronnie. I think it's come time for us to to wrap it up tonight. Yeah, I,
1: I don't. Um, I don't know if I can talk more about Star Wars without like. I think
0: we we gotta give it a rest for a little while. So this is the end of season three. We will be back for season four because there is a reader. There are acres and acres of terrible Star Wars novels out there for us to discover and uh and explore. But we do need time to rest. We do need time to cleanse our palates. So we'll be going on a little bit of a hiatus. Be on the lookout for some bonus episodes. We have a few ideas we're kicking around. Um they'll come out sporadically as we get around to them. Uh we will be back for a season four. Uh and I think we have determined Well, I don't know. I don't I don't wanna I don't want to talk out of turn. We'll wait for some bonus episodes to after we firm up our plans. But for now, I would just like to say thank I'll, you. I'll
1: just give a clue for season four. Think Goosebumps.
0: <laughs> think, think Goosebumps. But it's I wanted to say, <clears throat> I wanted to thank our uh, guests we've had on the show. I want to say thank you to Megan. And thank you to Alex. Uh, for joining us on this uh, insane project that we've done. I want to thank you, Ronnie, for seeing us through, we had this idea. We first had this idea four years ago. That's when I registered the Twitter account (laughs) for this podcast, but we finally made it happen. We, we, we saw it through. And in the space of about a year, we, uh, we went through the Thrawn trilogy and we are better people for it. Diminished, perhaps part of our souls will never come back, but uh, we met our commitment to ourselves and each other. And most of all, a, fa- a, a tremendous thank you to you, the listener. Um, I mean, I think it's amazing that we're able to this because I mean, let's be real, Ronnie. This is an incredibly niche kind of project, <laughs> but I think we got a lot of great radio out of it. And the fact that we have had people tuning in from the get-go, really, um, and sticking with us throughout the whole thing is awesome. So, thank you so much, listeners. Um, it's so much fun to it's so much fun to talk about crazy garbage with my friend, Ronnie. And it's also a lot of fun to do so with having an audience in mind, because then I get to really ham it up. And, uh, I really enjoy that and you're essential to that. So thank you. Yes. Thank but you. Ronnie, did thank you, did you, you have, to, uh, to Daniel
1: <clears throat> and the audience for allowing me to do this. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely been, it's definitely been an interesting experience. Um, reading, uh, reading books meant for for stupid children and then analyzing them on a level slightly higher than stupid children.
0: <laughs> yes. But it is fun and le- and 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 re- listeners more than anything else I hope that this project has demonstrated to you that everything is interesting. Also the Star Wars there.
1: was never actually that good.
0: Star Wars was never that good. But, it doesn't matter that it wasn't that good. If you go through something with a fine-toothed comb, you will encounter just the absolute craziness which is at the root of our world. And really, isn't that what humanity is all about? And with those words, we will bid you farewell. Thank you for sticking with us through the Thrawn Trilogy. And we'll be back for bonus episodes and Season 4 of Thronderdome.
1: Good night everyone and, uh, sweet dreams.